Welcome back to the Global Supply Chain Week. I'm Andrew Cox, Senior Retail Analyst here at FreightWaves. And the next topic I get to discuss is supply chain sustainability. It's a topic that most everyone in the audience knows, but very few know how to implement. That is not the case for my next guest. She is Susie Schonenberg, the founder and head of Flexport.org. Susie, thank you for taking the time. I am very much looking forward to this and welcome to the Global Supply Chain Week. Hi, I'm really, really excited for our conversation. As am I, Susie. So you've been at Flexport for quite a while. Uh, You actually launched and founded Flexport.org, as I said. Flexport has become a common name in the industry. Everybody that seemingly knows anything about tech and freight knows the name Flexport, but Flexport.org is a little bit of a different name, one that people don't know so well. So tell me how it came to be and what the mission of Flexport.org is. So Flexport.org was a part really early on when we developed Flexport. We wanted to make sure that we develop technology that does not only help to make trade easy and to kind of you know reach this really ambitious mission, but that can also transform humanitarian aid and how we think about the environmental impact of logistics, which is of course you know really really significant. And so what we have done is we used the technology that we built, but of course also our infrastructure and the expertise to tackle large environmental and social problems. And we interviewed a lot of our clients, but also hundreds of nonprofits to really learn, you know, what are the problems that they are facing today and how we can help to solve them. And so after a lot of experiments and iterations that we didn't talk about publicly, you know, we decided and we heard that the impact is really significant of our solutions. And so we are really glad and grateful that we get to work with so many different organizations today to help them to engage in impact. So we'll talk about some of the things that you do in a non-COVID, non-pandemic times, but let's start with what you're doing right now. So I saw on your website that all of your resources right now are being focused on delivering supplies to frontline healthcare workers battling the coronavirus. Tell me more about that. So last year alone, we delivered over 438 million units of PPE, other medical supplies, but also food aid to five continents, reaching you know over 200 cities and many, many millions of people. We all know that COVID-19 posed a lot of logistical challenges due to planes being grounded, but also due to the fact that PPE is a highly regulated good. You can't just you know export and import PPE. So we work directly with hospitals to make sure that they get PPE. You know, we charted our own planes to make sure that PPE, once it was ready for being exported, can move as quickly as possible. And again, you know, really acted worldwide from bringing ventilators to Africa to making sure that every hospital in the US has enough masks and gowns. Susie, shipping aid worldwide is a very complex uh, endeavor. I read that on one of your reports that 60% of supply aids that uh, is sent to disaster sites ends up in the wrong place or ends up not being able to be used. Tell me why you believe that shipping aid is broken. You guys said that in one of your Flexport.org videos. Why is uh, shipping aid broken? You already mentioned that it's really complex, right? And the, the reason is why we know that even you know the most sophisticated re- retail companies work with logistics providers to kind of manage their planned supply chain. When we talk about disasters and aid, we talk about working in a totally unplanned scenario, right? You can't plan kind of a natural catastrophe. You might work in a new region or country where you haven't responded before, 
we deal with insufficient infrastructure in those regions. And typically, you know, once a disaster happens, the government or local organizations try to assess how many folks have been affected. They look at the climate and then they try to figure out what is needed, right? What is needed for search and rescue, for the next phases, you know, bringing in shelter and food. And then they share the list and everyone kind of tries to jump in and just like send the goods. But there isn't a lot of coordination. There's also hardly any, any visibility. So if you are a volunteer on the ground, you don't know what is arriving and when, you know, what is in a specific container? Is it food? Is it medicine? It really matters, right? For your distribution efforts, for your warehousing. And so all the organization and participants, they really try to do good, but there hasn't been a lot of visibility and there hasn't been a really dedicated effort from our industry to support those organizations. And so that's the reason why we are working really closely with them to making sure that we can eliminate waste and make sure that the aid is arriving at the right time in the right place. How do you ensure that the aid is effective? How do you ensure that things end up at the right place on the right time? Of course, we rely with the nonprofits that we are working with, right? Those are the experts on the ground. I, as Susie, you know, I can't make the decision where a certain good is needed. So we really rely on their signals getting the needs lists from those organizations. We then help them to kind of keep those lists updated, right? Share their needs with companies that might have excess inventory. Um, and then of course, you know, Flexport as a tech platform makes it really easy to communicate. And I feel this is kind of the big missing link, right? That they often face. So we can connect certain suppliers with the organization and with all the real-time communication they can share exactly what is needed when and also where, and they can also communicate any hurdles, right? So are there protests in the street right now? For example, what we see in Haiti right now, is a certain port closed? Maybe, you know, there's still a flood in a certain airport and planes can't land, um, but by really facilitating those communication, we can respond more effectively. I'd like to talk about how Flexport and Flexport.org align and how they interact with each other. But before we do that, I do want to get uh, to learn all of what Flexport.org does, because we've talked about uh, the, the aid portion, uh, but I think there's some other major portions that we haven't talked about on the sustainability side with donations and with carbon offsets. Can you speak to that a bit? Absolutely. So if we think about a retailer, right, or any company, sustainability is a really, really big topic. They have to think about the materials that they're using, about the employment conditions, you know, at, at the factories and at the suppliers that they're using and how they are transporting the goods, what happens if we have any returns. Um, about their own business operations, how much electricity and water are they using. So they're just like a million things. Um, we as Flexport, we focus on everything that is related to logistics. And there are two main buckets that you can think about. One is kind of the environment, right? So here we are focusing on reducing carbon emissions. If ocean freight alone would be a country, it would be the sixth largest emitter of CO2 emissions in the world. So it's significant, right? If you think about a company and your carbon footprint, I would say logistics, it's, it's where it's at. So this is one area. The other one is waste. So what are you doing with all the returns with maybe imperfect product, right? Are you burning it? Um, that's oftentimes the you know most cost-efficient or has been a cost-efficient, easy way of getting rid of inventory. Or is there a way how you can put your product into use, right? Recycle it, give it to another organization. And then the second aspect is kind of you know social sustainability. 
Um, so how can you make sure that you have good communication with your supplier, that you have certain labor practices, right, to make sure that you have the code of conduct in place, um, but also can you use your goods to solve certain crises um, and proactively contribute um, your inventory? So Susie, you, you named three big pillars there. That's emissions, waste, and societal impact. Can we dive just one layer deeper? What else can retailers, specifically retailers, be doing uh, to be operate to more more sustainably? Do you think re-commerce and uh, projects like Patagonia's Warmware uh, initiative or, or even manufacturing, uh, on-demand manufacturing garment like Amazon or H&M, do you think that these are also things that retailers should be focused on as well? Absolutely. And I mentioned earlier, right, that sustainability just encompasses so many different topics. So maybe before we talk about, you know, what they can do, maybe I can also just like share some benefits for, you know, why I would encourage every company to think about it, even if it wasn't part of your mission when you maybe started your business. So one, I truly believe that it can drive customer loyalty. Right. So if you know that the company is really thinking about their impact, we have seen that more and more companies care about the operations, but also are willing to pay more. It helps with your employees, too. Right. So more and more employees are critical of kind of, you know, what their company does and where, where they're spending their time on. We see that it's driving innovation. So there are certain companies, you know, like Cotopaxi, but also many, many others that actually really innovate. You know, Albert's a great example. Um, they really innovate with their materials, right? And kind of what are the raw ingredients that they use and really set their product apart, right? So it can be a competitive advantage. And even investors, right? If you follow recent news, they now pay attention because thinking about sustainability and making sure that your operations are not affected by climate change or by re regulation is also part of risk mitigation. Um, so this is just like, you know, I wanna just like make sure that everyone knows there are many, many different benefits that you will also see in your financials if you engage. So you just ask, you know, what can we do? So like, what are the different initiatives? Um, I believe one big area, in addition to kind of material, thinking about the whole life cycle of the product, right? And again, just like transportation, which is often a hidden part that not many think about. And that's the reason why we want to make it easy for them is to also educate your customers. So I feel that many folks, you know, when they order online, they just ex expect that everything is in stock and that everything is available. But could there be a way that you could highlight to a certain client, maybe the shirt's not available in red right now, it takes a week longer, but it's for a good reason, right? And the reason is that we won't just air freight it, but that we have kind of a planned, you know, schedule. You know, it's not that long. You just wait a few days longer, but you actually, you know, saved this many tons of CO2. So I feel there's a lot of opportunity for the companies to not only work on all those issues, but also make those more transparent and all the, the benefits related to those efforts to their end customers. And so this is also a big focus that we have, right? Using all the data and the analytics to make this very, very easy. That's a really intriguing idea, making, almost putting a, pre presenting the hidden cost to making your decision online to the customer and seeing how that will impact their decision-making. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's, you know, and you also not, you want to make sure that you are ensuring to your customers that you're not just changing in vain, uh, that you, that there are benefits to doing so. And as you laid out, 
Uh, there are plenty. So let's talk about how Flexport and Flexport.org interact a little bit. How does Flexport.org help clients ship carbon neutrally uh, and also try to meet their sustainability goals with all with also fitting into Flexport's overall long-term business strategy? Yeah, you just made a great point by highlighting how integrated Flexport.org within Flexport. So we are fully part of the company. We use the same infrastructure, which is you know great for us when we are responding to disasters that we can kind of draw on all the experts um, and partners that Flexport is working with. But it also means that all of our programs are integrated in our platform. So what does it mean? It means when you're shipping with Flexport, you automatically see on a shipment level what the carbon emissions are. And you already see it when you quote a shipment. So you can actually see the difference in carbon emissions. If you're still thinking about, you know, do I want to ship with air via ocean, you can not only assess the difference in transit time and price, but also the difference in carbon emissions. Of course, all the analytics are also presented in an aggregated way. So you can see it in a you know, monthly base, you can see per supplier, per, per product, per destination country. So you can slice and dice the data how you want. And the same is true with product donations. So if there's excess inventory, you can let us know on the platform that, you know, you would like to don donate your product and we can take it from there. So in every aspect, you know, in all the different elements that Flexport is building, Flexport.org is always a part of it. Yeah, when I was learning about Flexport.org and doing this research, it seems more so than maybe any other humanitarian arm of a company that this one is like very tightly integrated. It uses the technology of the company. It uses many of the same business practices, the same strategies, just aimed at, uh, at, at, at nonprofits or NGOs or at you know, retailers looking to ship more sustainably and offset carbon footprint. And that was one thing I wanted to talk to you about was that you know on your website, it says flexport.org works with nonprofits and NGOs. It also works with companies with donatable excess inventory, as you've mentioned, and also those just looking to cut carbon emissions. So who isn't included on that list? Meaning like what happens if a flexport.com customer, a, a large for-profit retailer wants to offset some carbon emissions? Are they then passed to flexport.org or how does that work out exactly? No, so they can just like work with their Flexport team, right? And they would let us know. So the great thing is they actually don't even have to talk to me. I mean, they always can <laughs> personally. So if anyone has questions, you know, please reach out to me. Um, but they can actually do it automatically on the platform, right? They can enroll in our programs. You know, we see sometimes at larger companies, of course, they want to have, you know, a really a business plan that is prepared in all the details and we are very happy to work either with the sustainability team or the logistics team at the company to really look at this business plan how much would it cost you know to offset or reduce carbon emissions and um, we can also provide the information for non-flexport shipments so something that is really important to me it's you know i'm optimizing for the impact um, not necessarily you know only for the flexport universe and we have many, many companies that actually share all their shipment data with us, including parcels. So that means from warehouse to the end customer, right? So the last kind of last mile tracking leg. Um, we take all the data, we calculate their carbon emissions, and then they can offset their whole supply chain through Flexport and also analyze their whole supply chain through um, our platform. That's something that I hope changes post COVID, but it seems like the only companies that are willingly and openly sharing data and having uh, the most collaboration and openness are the ones that are focused on sustainability and that aren't, uh, you know, that aren't so focused on competition and focused on meeting an end goal by whatever means, however many people have to come along to get them to that goal. 
they'll do it. Uh, I did have one last question for you. And you know, you may not have the answer to this, but I had, I had read uh, on one of your reports that 60 to 80% on average of, aver of every average age budget is spent on supply chain expenses. And you know, that number seems high, but I didn't know what you expected that number should be uh, long-term. You know, what, what should, when people are dividing aid and doing budgets, what do you think is a fair number that should be going to an efficient supply chain where everything is met and, and not wasted? Yeah, you're right that I don't have the perfect number for you. But what I can tell you is, you know, if you look at many companies, right, the logistics spend might be 10, 5 to 10% of their total budget. And of course, we are talking about different industries, so you can't really compare them one to one. Um, but we know, again, that a lot of things um, are shipped, right? They may not be needed or they go to waste because they can't be stored in the right way at destination. And those 60 to 80% that aid organizations spend on buying goods and then also shipping the goods um, equates to about 15 to $20 billion each year. And that's only for the largest organizations. So even if we could just make it, you know, 10% more efficient. So we know by working with, you know, many nonprofits that they tell us that we save them 20 to 25% compared to what they paid previously. Right. And so if we kind of apply this to kind of the whole spend, it can be significant. So we can unlock millions, hopefully even billions of dollars so that they can spend it to hire more staff, right, to invest in their programs and hopefully to reach more people in need. And are those cost savings coming through better tracking and visibility and not having so much waste in the supply chain? Or are they coming from uh, Flexport being able to offer them discounted prices on transportation and so on? Great question. So we discount our pricing for any shipment that is going to a good cause. That is true for commercial clients. So for everyone who wants to donate product, we want to make it as affordable as possible and show them it's actually cheaper to donate goods than this than destroying them. But it also applies to kind of our humanitarian aid work. We have the flexpo.org fund where you know everyone can donate and all the money will be applied to shipment costs. So that you know helps too and organizations can apply. And lastly, we also save them time. So for example, we're working with Bombus. Bombus is a socks company um, that does great work. They have a buy one, give one model. And by using the platform and just like making the communication more efficient, but also developing a new plan for how to donate millions of socks, that's actually not so easy. Uh, we help them to reach all the recipients 60 days earlier than planned. So we can also just like make the distribution more efficient and not only save money, but also time. That is a perfect place to put a bow on it. I also can give a recommendation for Bombas. They make amazing socks and it's a great cause, similar to Tom's shoes, if you want to buy one and give one. I also wanted to give you a, a moment to give a shout out to anybody on your team at flexport.org or also tell anybody in the audience where they should go to learn more about donating to the fund or learn more about participating with flexport.org. Yeah, so if you check out uh, flexport.org, just like as a website, you can find a lot of information, also information for how to contact us. Again, we work with a variety of companies across different sectors, a lot of retailers. There's a lot of potential and you don't even have to completely change your operations. You know, even if you buy freight as normal, there are a lot of things that you can optimize and improve. 
and we make it really easy. So don't ever hesitate to reach out to us. The other shout out that I want to give is just like to the whole Flexport team, Flexport.org team in particular. You already said, right, this is something we're doing every day. So we're not donating our time just like, you know, three times a year when there's a disaster, but we're working every day with those organizations around the world. And especially last year, everyone really went above and beyond to reach, you know, the millions of people that we did. And I'm incredibly grateful for all their passion, but also for people like you, Andrew. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share more today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Susie. This has been absolutely fantastic. I want to thank you for the time and thank everyone for paying attention. We've got plenty more for you during this day and throughout the week at the Global Supply Chain Week, so stay tuned. Thank you, Susie Schoenberg, the head and founder of Flexport.org. We'll see you next time. Thank you.